Hello, Assalamualaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And what's new? What's new is basically a confirmation of what I'd already, um, you know, talked about. Um, as I said, uh, I do not think that the current Chief Justice of uh, Pakistan, you know, um, Isa, Faiz Isa, um, that if he is a trustworthy or reliable person, because, you know, he has not... Um, you know, come across as as a as a neutral or a trustworthy person. Um, by the way, he behaved during Justice Bandial's uh, tenure. And yep, you can see very clearly that the first thing he does is he goes for review petitions of a case um, that was judged by he himself, and that was left alone by all the other chief justices that came uh, and went, you know, all the three chief justices, including Bandial, um, and yet he chooses to review, to, you know, review those um, petitions. Wow. I mean, seriously, talk about time wastage. His first duty is supposed to be addressing the extremely important issue of the 90 days being up, the illegal tenure of the current government, the, the, the fact that the caretaker government has also, uh, you know, it's also way past its due time and it also has an illegal standing right now. The fact that the Supreme Court is supposed to uphold the Constitution um, and, the, and because of that, it's supposed to address the issue of the elections um, and he's not going anywhere near that. And I don't expect him to. I'm sorry if anybody did expect him to. I think um, that shows how people are still um, not connected to reality. Because seriously, um, you have to be living in la-la land in order to have any expectations. In fact, what surprises me is the fact that somebody said that um, Imran Khan was surprised at the fact that he did not address the issue. I doubt Imran Khan would even be surprised at the fact um, if Imran Khan uh, knows anything about anything, and he does. So, um, yeah, I think that I, I think it would be an, um, an exaggeration on the part of... Um, the person whoever visited Imran Khan and then, you know, relayed this news to the public um, that, you know, upon Imran Khan's reaction. I think it's an exaggeration. I think even Imran Khan is well aware of the fact that you cannot expect anything from this Chief Justice, to be very honest. Um, because, I mean, come on, uh, even Bandial in my eyes, even Bandial basically wasted the last week of his tenure. He thought that, you know, he was just... Uh, going to throw a bomb on, on you know, um, the, um, you know, on on the uh, the establishment of the state managers before he left. But to be honest, to me, it was more like a fart than a bomb. Uh, because again, and you know why? Also because he gave seven days, uh, you know, a limitation. He's like, you know, you have seven days to reopen all the cases. I mean, like seriously, like seriously. I mean, come on, what's wrong with you people? So you're saying that, okay, I'm leaving and I'm issuing this judgment that, you know, uh, 
that the that nab should be you know uh, reverted back to its original stance and all the cases should be reopened and yeah well you know you have seven days to do it yeah right so you leave and then you know Fais comes and you don't know what he's going to do and as you can see he's already beginning to just waste time as if Pakistan has so much time so much uh, resources and you know so much money to waste right as if you haven't done enough of that already uh, and then obviously it's because you people are just living on borrowed resources and borrowed time and borrowed um, laws even, you know. So I guess I can imagine that there, that no wonder it is that nobody's serious about it. But I mean, to me, this is sheer stupidity to even expect anything from the Supreme Court because again, remember, Bandial himself was personally, um, he was the reason we are in this shit that we are today and if he thought that you know um farting before he leaves um is going to help then i'm sorry it's not i don't see any way it's going to help he should have done that while he was still a sitting judge number one and number two he should have addressed imran khan's issue as well while he was a sitting judge and now that he's uh, you know just before he left he decided oh let me just you know just fart a little bit you know let me leave some skid marks too and then leave yeah right um on the other hand obviously you've got the india canada tensions and as i said the irony here is that the western world are giving out two statements why i would say two statements because yeah people may choose to believe the official official statement of america as they stand and declare that they are cooperating with their canadian friends on this issue but i mean of uh, washington post had already i think it was washington post i'm sorry if i'm quoting the wrong uh, newspaper here but i think um they had said initially that you know the same thing that i had said that america was most probably you know going to um side side with india and it's going to it's basically telling canada to just shut up and obviously because that that article had its repercussions because if that was indeed uh, America's stance then America would lose uh, England to start with because remember Canada and England they still have a huge connection with each other England Canada and Australia they are still very well connected they you know as we all know and because of that if America loses one it, it can lose them all and America uh, needs Britain every single time it has to wage wars Every single time it has to wreak havoc, it needs Britain. Um, although the British public are so anti-American when it comes to these policies, but remember, the British government is always with America. Again, because remember, it's not the British who is with America. It is America who is actually doing British bidding. And while Britain keeps its hands clean, pretending to be an ally, but actually it's all Britain right behind every single time nothing much changed america is still under britain whether they like to accept it or not or believe it or not so again that uh, uh, reiteration aside um yeah so america is now saying it's declaring that you know it's working with canada and obviously canada uh, sick and tired of india's stupidity and its morality um you know um it an immaturity um, Amer uh, Canada has finally produced the evidence and now India is going to 
not shut up being the kind of country that it is. But you see, uh, what India says is exactly what I've been saying for a long time, that this is how things turn out. Because now India, I told you that India considers itself the America of Asia, which means it considers itself the dawn of Asia, like how America considers itself the dawn of, uh, you know, half the world. It wants to be the dawn of the whole world. But okay, so it considers India its minion, but India considers itself the dawn master, you know, the godfather of Asia. So India says again and again that, you know, if America can go to various countries and assassinate uh, people, if America can go to Pakistan and assassinate people, and if America can go to other countries and do that, um, then so what if we did it? You know, why can't we? And let me tell you, I don't care if you try to technically or politically try to um, say it's different. That is a different issue. The fact remains that it is true that when America sends its intelligence agents to other countries to assassinate people that do not agree with American interests, um, then America is essentially committing an international crime. Okay? And it has trespassed uh, upon another land and with, it has uh, basically it has desecrated the sovereignty of that land. This needs to be understood. America does not have rights to enter any country it chooses to and kill anybody it chooses to. No, America does not own the world. Every country is a sovereign state and, it's, and every country is called a sovereign state for a reason. So yes, America also does not have the right to go around uh, assassinating people in Iran, in Pakistan, in Africa, in you know even in Europe. It does not. And similarly, um, India does not have the right. But yes, India. Uh, the reason why India is comparing itself with America is again this the same thing. It's because according to India, America is just another country, and if America is allowed to enter into any other country and do whatever it wants, then why can't other countries enter into any other country and do whatever they want? So yeah, India is not playing along with the rule that America is the godfather of the world because India, in its own view, is the godfather of its own territory. So you, there you have it. That's the mentality going, uh, you know, that's, that's the real mentality of both India, Israel, and America, okay, of all three of them. So... Yes, if one goes deep into history, one would argue that, you know, Canada and Britain, um, you know, they have worked, and even Australia, that they have worked together um, to, you know, in, in various covert operations that have led to uh, trespass. It has led to a blatant disregard of a sovereign state. Um, it has led to assassinations. It has led to, um, you know, different digressions of a different kind. So, uh, of a political kind is what I'm trying to say. So, I mean, you know, there there are these uh, arguments if you go way back. But yeah, but so yes, uh, now we have to see what America really does. Because as I said, I do not really... I, America is a country that I do not trust. Keeping in mind its long history of uh, two-faced um, hypocrisy. So, you know, as again, I'll remind you people that Bosnia is an excellent example. America was actually behind the genocide in Bosnia. America actually worked with and provided weapons to and trained the Serbs 
you know and but when when the serbs were suddenly outed by the world then america ditched the serbs they stabbed them in the back they they put uh, you know all the blame on them they scapegoated them and they pretended that oh we're with the victims we're with bosnians you know america did the same thing um time and again in different countries and different situations um america is always the one at the back even in syria it was actually america america did everything um you using saudia and using uh, one or two other countries and then very neatly it became a problem in which everybody blamed saudis and uh, you know and everybody blamed um even iran and you know and people started that oh it was a fight between them and this and that but actually who was really behind it it was america and who was benefiting from it it was america as well as france so france was also deeply and heavily involved in the whole caboodle um and uh, and france actually took so much advantage from that that it actually um sold weapons uh to alleged terrorists the reason i'm saying alleged is because they were again basically a part of uh the french intelligence and they and who in turn you know again hired uh mercenaries and then they provided them with weapons and then they became alleged terrorists and everywhere that those terrorists attacked uh, it's very strange how the french benefited from resources you know they benefited from suddenly digging up resources and stealing those resources and putting down uh, factories or demolishing factories and you know suddenly in the name of redevelopment how they again uh, benefited so france uh, pl- played a crucial role in many of the conflicts in africa and as did america you must keep that in mind so yeah don't don't even you know think about how um because america at the moment as we know america needs india so yeah america may suddenly uh, on the face of it you know ditch india uh, just so that it should stay on the good side of england and canada but at the end of the day we know that canada and america are not really friends Yes we know that the they are at the end of the day western allies and these three four countries will always be together no matter what despite their inner conflicts but again america will know how to wriggle its way out of it and america will somehow look for a way to make britain um you know force canada um to just you know somehow um just let the the whole situation die out or fizzle out but as we know that the canadian relations with india is already very strained and it's amazing how the indians you know they go about it whenever they have strained relationships with any country they use the media and they use the social media a lot um they're not very different from their uh, relatives the sharif family in pakistan you know the maryam nawaz and her group her cronies um who have been uh, using the media to spread misinformation and disinformation so you will notice how you will find many indians uh, making a lot of videos of how uh, it's not conducive to live in canada and why it's not a good idea to live in canada and all the bad experiences they've had in canada and they're all flooded and they're all indian you will not see any other um, uh, national talk about their bad experiences living in canada and all but it's amazing how you will see a flood of videos on youtube by indians and their bad experiences in canada and why you should not go to canada and all and yet they have huge houses over there and they have cars and they have jobs and some of them even have businesses but they're bringing out videos on how it's a bad idea to go to canada 
and then you know you have on the other side um, indians always talking uh, is always an in indian media even on the social media it's always in indian account or indian media that is um, always talking about how china um, is you know treating the uh muslims in china and how you know they're terrorizing them how they're harassing them very neatly forgetting how india is also doing the same um india has committed genocide constantly against muslims they've done it in gujarat this their own prime minister modi he is known as a mass murderer um by the way he uh you know he he was actually the the whole he was the hand behind uh, gujarat's mass murder of muslims of the genocide in gujarat and he is right now even again the main person behind uh, the genocide being committed in occupied kashmir and again you have assam and you have bihar and you have many other places in india where there are muslim majorities which were originally not even supposed to be part of india and they are still fighting and then you have punjab you have uh, the the sikh community in punjab which again you know actually this this stupidity by india um because nobody really cared to be honest nobody showed much interest or cared about the khalistan project the of the separatist movement of the sikh community in india uh but this 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 idiocy by india you know <laughs> this just highlighted the whole uh, issue and put it right back on the spotlight it just gave them free publicity really it just gave the sikh community the separatist community free publicity so there you have it so yeah i mean on the other hand i think um the fact that uh people are actually still expecting anything from america and britain concerning um any conflict in any area i especially considering how they are behind that conflict how they initiated that conflict be it ukraine russia conflict be it uh, any conflict in um, uh, africa be it uh, any conflict within pakistan and now this conflict that is going to go on between canada and india this is going to you know not go anywhere there's no there's there's not going to be any actual settlement uh, that is going to be uh, accepted as you know uh, an actual solution by either country again thanks to america so yeah i mean i think i find it very very odd that people are actually expecting anything from anyone knowing that 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 person is the one behind it all you know and similarly you know uh, that keeping that in mind you know it, it, the irony of how nawaz sharif you know um is trying to uh look for how he can come to pakistan but the truth is even he knows that actually he's run out run out of excuses and he's run out of justifications and he's run out of narratives he cannot pick up on imran khan's narrative an anti-establishment narrative because he needs the establishment to bring him back his brother has worked to the establishment for the past year 16 months uh you know just to be able to get um nawaz sharif back and uh, at the same time you know nawaz sharif is also probably uh, i i think he it would be a big mistake if he comes in any case because um again the only way that they can win the elections is through rigging i mean this is something that even the even the um the western media and the international media have confirmed so this is something that they have 
literally confirmed um, that, you know, because Imran Khan's popularity is only growing day by day. He was already the most popular leader in the country. He was the only one to, who actually had um, a political party in which the people of the country were in, actively involved and members of his party. The public of Pakistan equals PTI and PTI equals the public of Pakistan in general uh, because of the massive percentage of Pakistani public that is actually pro-PTI. So at the end of the day, um, you know, when the when the people of Pakistan are pro-PTI um, and the state, so when the state managers um, went against Imran Khan, they basically went against the people of Pakistan, which is why this whole conflict just is, you know, going nowhere again. It's just increasing and it's getting more and more aggressive, uh, but it's not going anywhere. There's no settlement and because of that, as I said, the establishment is really scared because they have realized that they have exposed themselves butt naked in front of the public. Before, you know, they always had a sort of a, you know, deniability uh, clause with them, you know. But now they don't have that because they're now out in the open. So there's no hidden hand clause here. Um, they plainly showed their hands. They were caught red-handed. In that time, they didn't care because they thought that, you know, everything was really done. All they needed to do was to just tie the bow and hand it over to America. But that's where the public intervened. Um, that's where Imran Khan's strategy also uh, intervened, um, making it very difficult for them. And so now they're standing stark, staring naked, and they don't know what to do. Um, so actually, as I said before, uh, although in the open they are acting so brazen, um, and, you know, they're being such uh, pork-faced, but actually at the, uh, in secret, they're shitting their pants and they're constantly have, uh, you know, trying to uh, make deals with Imran Khan, which he's not doing. But now there's this, again, this, uh, now here's another thing. Again, remember, I do not believe in any of these so-called news or rumors that people try to spread when they say, oh, finally they've struck a deal, finally they've struck a deal. Um, because every single time we've found out that it was all false. So even now there is this rumor circulating that um, finally a certain person of a higher post of the army or the, you know, uh, of the establishment uh, went and met uh, Imran Khan and, you know, they have, uh, Imran Khan has, uh, for the sake of the country, you know, Imran Khan has finally agreed to just one thing. Now, whatever it is, you know, again, I'm not going to, um, you know, acknowledge it. Um, until I'm absolutely sure and again you know we cannot be sure until we see because if Imran Khan agrees to anything um, that would mean that he would have to come out of jail in order to take over because the establishment has realized he's the only man who can handle the situation now because they spoiled everything they ruined everything they crapped on everything and they know that uh, right now the most hated institutions in Pakistan are the army, the establishment, and all of PDM, the whole current government. Because remember, that's another thing, you see, the reason why Nawaz Sharif cannot come to Pakistan, uh, or shouldn't, because he should know that people will not forget this time. He's always thought that people, you know, he could make people forget that it is his government that has always been the reason why Pakistan always ends up in a huge loss and, or in a crisis. And he thinks that these past 18 months, people should just forget that this was all his government. You know, how can anybody forget it? The prime minister was his, was his brother. And Mariam Nawaz, who had no legal, no political standing, no status, um, no seat in the assembly, she 
benefited from protocols she benefited by using money uh, from the treasury she stole from the government's budget she stole from the government's uh, resources and she used it openly and lavishly in front of everybody who can forget that and even now she just took four trunks you know with her to england why what what is in those trunks you know the fact that she had secret meetings with american diplomats during imran khan's tenure which was actually a crime now that could have been charged you know she could have been charged for treason and america could also have been you know called for an explanation and in fact the american embassy could have actually been even removed from pakistan just for that you know and you know the fact that even imf and world bank even these two have very openly stated that uh you know that imran khan is the legal um you know he is actually the legal representative of pakistan he's the he's the actual elected representative of pakistan and even now if there are if there is no rigging um and if if there are free and fair elections then they i mean he is he is ultimately going to be the winner so and they also imf basically if you remember imf actually even went and had meetings with imran khan where before it signed any deals with uh, nawaz sharif's um pdm government the useless illegal government that took over because the imf had the same problem that they know that the money will not be used on the country if it's given to those people and america literally forced imf to give that money to them again not a cent was used on this country maryam nawaz shahbaz sharif pdm they took they all took their shares they paid all the money amongst their ministers they gave some to the establishment they gave some to the to the chief of army they gave some to the intelligence chief and all and they you know and they they just basically helped everybody pocket stuff and they took their share and they've all left they've all gone now tell me which of the sharif family is here in pakistan is maryam nawaz here in pakistan is shahbaz sharif here in pakistan is nawaz sharif here in pakistan is is anyone in pakistan no none of them zardari he very conveniently disappears to the middle east every single time um bilawal is just here for show and then he also very conveniently suddenly disappears nobody knows when they come and when they go when they you know and it's when they've already left then everybody finds out that oh they've left you know and even now the reason why they're thinking that that even if nawashif does come um there will be nobody you know to get him is because one number one they know nobody will come to get him because nobody wants to see him and number two they're scared that even if people do come people will probably come to just murder him right because he's not welcome here so and number three uh, you know they're scared um that it's better to just bring him in in secret um you know before anything else happens so i would again say it's better for him to stay there in fact there as i said before the other news this is the mainstream media that is constantly saying that oh he's coming but the alternate uh, media outlets they are saying um that he has cancelled his plans already so we don't know we really don't know but i think it's better for him not to come because to be uh, very honest i don't think he, i mean nobody's welcoming him here even his own supporters his fervent supporters who were basically criminals themselves remember that the only people who have ever supported 
um, Zardari or Nawaz Sharif are those people who have benefited from them. These are those people who benefited, um, you know, criminally, financially from them. Um, for example, the owners of universities that uh, whose universities actually do not even uh, fall under the HEC's terms and conditions, but, you know, Shabash Sharif took the money and he let them open their universities. People who have opened uh, up, uh, you know, universities on lands that are under, that are in conflict, you know, and then land ownership, again, the whole mafia of land ownership that belongs to, um, you know, Shabash Sharif, Nawaz Sharif and their goons. So whenever there is, uh, you know, uh, all these new fangled, uh, residential colonies that are being made um, on agriculture land. They're, this land is all stolen from people, from the real owners. So, I mean, you know, th there is all of that going on. So, I, I you know, uh, basically nobody wants to even see the faces of these people. So, the only reason these people managed to come is, again, through American intervention, through British intervention. Um, and then, you know, uh, because they have their dogs here, they have their minions here, they force them to, you know, let them come in and then the, the country is forced to suffer. So, I mean, the IMF very openly said it to our own journalists when our journalists thought that it would, they were being very wise, asking the, a, a very stupid question about how IMF doesn't seem to care about the suffering of the poor people of Pakistan who have to pay, uh, you know, huge bills um, just to pay back those loans. So the IMF very openly said it that it's because of your own government who is issuing such a policy when they should actually collect those bills and taxes from the elites, but they're not. And so they're the ones who are burdening the poor people. So yes, it is true, you know, and that is why IMF did not even want to give them money in the first place. Again, it was America that forced them. You need to remember that. So yeah, the, the whole world is actually aware of the fact that um, Imran Khan is uh, the leader of the officially accepted leader of Pakistan. They are aware of the fact and they've confirmed the fact that American intervention has led to all that is going on in Pakistan. And obviously they have also mentioned how there is a dissenting view within the establishment, within the army, you know, and obviously this is something again that is not new, but this is something that now they can finally openly talk about. This is something that I mentioned in my uh, in my novels, uh, albeit, um, you know, uh, I've put my novels under the fiction category, but the current affairs, the facts, the history, the factions, the divisions, um, these are all true, obviously. Um, and now they're out, out in the open. So, yeah, again, I would say uh, Pakistan does not stand a chance until the people become a little more aggressive, um, just protesting, um, you know, and uh, out in the streets protesting and, you know, partial shutting down of businesses is not going to help. I'll repeat it again and again and again and again. You need to completely lock down the country. You need to paralyze the country and bring these people down to their knees, including the judiciary. Remember, to me, the judiciary is an accomplice um, of, you know, of the criminal acts committed by the army, by the establishment, and by PDM, which is essentially Nawashri for Zardari's government, coalition government. So... I think that they are all, they are all uh, 
to be held accountable and we the public are on one side and they are all on the other side it is just as simple as that so this is me signing out khuda hafiz